Hi, I'm Dan Jones. And I'm Mia Lee, and we are the editors of Modern Love at The New York Times and co-hosts of the Modern Love podcast. We read love stories for a living. And by love stories, we mean essays written by real people about all forms of human connection. We're talking about everything from first dates to funerals, from sibling rivalries to new love at 85. On our show, we're going to bring those stories to life. We'll hear from the writers and also from the people who are written about. Relationships are the most important things in our lives. And the people that tell us their stories are just so brave, like way braver than I think I am most of the time. Yeah. They're so honest and so vulnerable. And listening to the stories, I feel like you absorb so much wisdom and you get a sense that you're not alone. You can follow Modern Love wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. We hope you'll join us. New episodes are out every Wednesday. So I am standing outside of the Safeway supermarket in Erie, Colorado, and it is toilet paper day. There are three people standing out here in the cold um, around 6.30 in the morning, and I'm gonna go talk to them. Hello, how are you guys? I've never thought in my whole life, 63 and a half years, I'd be crawling my butt out of bed at 5.30 looking for toilet paper. And did you have the intel that this place got its toilet paper shipment We were here Saturday, and one nice young lady, when Marty asked about toilet paper, said, our truck is coming Monday, we'll be open at 7 a.m. Okay. And I said, honey, guess where we're going tomorrow morning? (laughs) I've been rationing two squares a trip for a couple of weeks. Well, I went to Walmart looking TP calculator on Facebook said I had three days worth, and I'm like, uh, no, this doesn't work for me. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. From the New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is The Daily. Today. How are you feeling physically right now? Are people trying at all to stay away from one another, or is that not even possible? As much of America enters its second month of lockdown to contain the coronavirus. So are there there patients that are there today that you are thinking about today? Is there something about them that really sticks on your mind? I think my colleagues speak to people in Pittsburgh, Kansas City, New York, and Seattle about their new realities. It's Monday, April 13th. Hello. Hey, Campbell. Good. What? I'm sorry, did you say, did you ask me a question? You're saying, how are you doing? Uh, you know, today was uh, up and down. <laughs> Take me around, and as we're going, you can t- tell me about your day so far. Sure, let me see. Is there a way to flip up? I'm Campbell Robertson. I'm a national correspondent based in Pittsburgh. I spoke with a neighbor of mine, Ten Ying Dong. Show me where people are stationed at the, at the moment. Oh, well, all the kids are watching TV in the basement, and I can't really... Um, <laughs> I don't really want to deal with them right now because they're just, you know, they're just them. Hold on, let me see. She works in public law, and she's been working at home for the last few weeks. Her husband works at a hospital here, so she's basically been the lone caregiver for their three boys. They're two, five, 
and eight years old. I don't know. What else do you want to see? So tell me about today. How's it going today? Uh, today, uh, you want more scrambled eggs? It was, it was a calm, it was a relatively calm morning, actually. Kind of a quiet morning, and then they ate, and, uh, I had Yan do some homework. I had the other two just watch TV. Before you start the TV, you gotta do some homework. Okay. I try to get some work done mid-morning, uh, which I did. Um, I finished one project, so it was fine. And then my oldest one had like one major tantrum where he was just screaming because um, he couldn't find his sweatshirt. Uh, it's like his favorite sweatshirt. It turned out it was on one of the strollers outside. Like, why would you leave it in the stroller? Like, it's your sweatshirt. You're responsible for it. Did he have schoolwork today, your eight-year-old? Yeah, so we're on Google Classroom. I'll show you. They post classwork here. This is math, reading, creative writing. And then uh, apparently they were supposed to play the Oregon Trail game, but I wasn't able to get it to work. But um, at one point during his homework, he had a big mug of milk and he spilled it all over the table. That was a lot of um, JFC from me. There were some tantrums over division. He's doing division now, and, you know, he's still trying to grok the concept. I think he's pretty much familiar with multiplication. I don't know how good he is at it, but he's been able to do it without a lot of tears. Division is still tears. It's divisive. It's divisive. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he seems like a chill guy, usually. I mean, am I... Oh, uh, (laughs) no. So how how were the uh, three- and five-year-old today? They were good. They were, um... Can you go pee-pee? I can, yes, but we're working on you right now. The other two, I, I have been just generally letting them float along and whatever they want to do. You know, occasionally they'll get sick of the TV and they'll want to just come upstairs and do something non-TV related. And it's like, it's like good and bad, you know, it's like, oh, that's nice. You're using your imagination. But on the other hand, it's like, please just go watch TV and don't destroy the house. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the little one just likes to kind of run laps around the house, which is great because that, you know, kind of wears them out a little bit. Um, or, or, and hold on a second. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what, what's wrong? What? You want milk? You want milk? Here, I'll get you milk. Sorry. You want to say hi to Campbell? Hi. Hi. How are you? Are you having fun? I'm a baby. You're a baby? (laughs) Yeah, he's. Apparently, he's a baby again. Okay. (laughs) We we all get there eventually. (laughs) I think think generally we're settling into a routine. I mean, that first two weeks was rough, but... Why? 
just um, having a hard time accepting that, oh my God, all three of my kids are going to be home all yeah. the time. And I'm going to be pretty much by myself with them the entire time. And oh my God, how am I going to handle this? Because I haven't had to do this and I've never had to do this. I think, I think by now they're used to being at home. They're used to like, they're used to this, whatever yeah. this is. <laughs> so well, there's not really a choice at this point. Yep. Yep. We're all condemned to be with each other, basically. <laughs> Listen, thank you, Tanying. All right. Appreciate thanks, it. Campbell. Bye. Bye. Take care. You too. Donna? Hey, it's John with the New York Times. How you doing? I'm good, how are you? Doing well, doing well. I guess we should probably keep our distance, right? You know, <laughs> of, I'm John Eligo, a reporter based in Kansas City. So how, how are you doing? How was today for you? Uh, it was good. It was actually good. I slept all day. Not okay. all day, but I slept late. And... A few weeks ago, I spoke with Donna Danahy. Sleeping sometimes is a good thing, right? Yeah, I needed it. Yeah. <laughs> I lost her job when the economy slowed down in the wake of the virus. So I guess, you know, take me back to the beginning. Just tell me how you got in this position that you are I was working at Steak and Shake. I had been working there for nine months. And um, a couple weeks ago, they told us at midnight that night that we were shutting down except for the drive-thru. And my friend, which I was staying with, she went to stay with her boyfriend, which moved to Iowa. And she was going to go anyway, but she just... We lost her job, so she just went ahead and went. And that put me in my car with my cat. And so how long were you staying in the car for? Two weeks. It's been two weeks today, I think. And what was that like, being in the car? It was rainy. It was cold. Some, some nights wasn't so bad. But the worst thing was going to the bathroom. Because in the beginning, you know, I could walk into, like, Walmart and go to the bathroom or the gas station. I stayed at Fly and Jay a couple times. I parked there, and I, I, I don't even know if they're still offering showers, but I could pay to take a shower for twelve dollars. So you were going to a truck stop to shower for twelve dollars? Yeah, $12? at first I was staying there, but like today, most of the bathrooms are closed. There's just no place to go. And sometimes when I went to sleep, I just wanted to stay asleep because I didn't know what to do with myself. I don't know. Just, just it was just scary. A lot of things ran through my head. I called for resources and talked to this lady. She said, well, maybe we can put you in a hotel for a day or so. And I was happy with that. She called me back and she told me that they had me a room. And I came in and I checked in and they gave me the rules and I've been here ever since. And it's, it's awesome. It's great to, to have a place to go, you know. And my cat, my cat just like, you should have seen her when she went into the room. She was like, in heaven. I, I buy her little treats. I buy her little toys just because, she, you know, she's been through hell too. And nobody can take care of her but me. And I'm not doing a very good job. I don't know. It, I, I leave here Friday and I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm going to be back out there again. And I'm having a hard time. You know, I, I'm having a hard time with that. But um, last week I found a job 
my friend, she worked for Costantino's for years. Supermarket? Yeah. And so me and her went down there together and spoke with them. And we had to go back a couple days later because we had to talk to corporate. It took me forever to get ready. It's hard to do in your car, especially when it's raining, when your clothes are in your trunk, getting ready and dressed in the back seat, washing your hair out of a milk jug, you know, water jug, brushing your teeth, trying to find something to wear out of the trunk of my car. But, you know, I don't know where my birth certificate is or my social security card. And I thought that, that I could use my passport. My passport expired, so she couldn't accept that. But it's just pinning my birth certificate. Okay, gotcha. And my friend that, that got me the job, she's worked like seven days straight right now. Really? Wow. And so I just see her go to work every day. And I'm like, dang, I want to go. I want to go. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back. This fall, history is happening. September 14th, 2021. Hamilton, the Tony, Grammy, Olivier, and Pulitzer Prize-winning musical, returns to Broadway. Tickets are on sale now. Performances begin September 14th. Hamilton, back on Broadway at the Richard Rogers Theater. Learn more at hamiltonmusical.com. I'm Alan Foyer. I'm a reporter for the New York Times Metro desk. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I had spoken to an inmate named Foster Thompson. Foster is a 55-year-old New Yorker who uh, was arrested and sent to prison for a murder on Staten Island in 1992. He's been in the state prison system ever since, and recently He's been at Sing Sing for the last three years, where there have been, according to state officials, at least two cases of the coronavirus in the prison population. So anyhow, we're expecting a call from Foster in the next few minutes, and he's going to tell us about conditions in Sing Sing right now. Hello? Can you hear me, Foster? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Yep. Great. So it's uh, it's Monday morning, and I, I just wonder if you could describe for me where you are now and what's around you. Well, right now I'm in a little like phone booth room, and um, this is the fourth floor in the uh, building eight. Got it. Now, how long have you been in the state prison system? Since uh, '94. How do these last couple of weeks compare to other, you know, crises times in your time in prison? People was more panicked in here. Dudes was yelling last night and a few this this morning. You know, they're not testing nobody for this corona. You know, they don't give a f about us. But yeah, last night you had like at least it sounded like from four different areas. Like, you know, coughing and sneezing all, all night. You know, literally all night. You know, like, I, I got asthma, you know, I had it all my life, you know. I also had a collapsed lung. So, you know, I worry about it all the time. 
I clean myself thoroughly, constantly, to wipe the bars down and, the, you know, the gate. I wash my hands and stuff thoroughly. I, I probably like 50-something times a day. I mean, this is literally, seriously, not just exaggerating. You know, use the Dove soap and that um, Ajax dishwashing liquid because it does kill bacteria. That's the best I could do, you know. And when I'm in the yard, I, I try to stay my distance of it. And, you know, when i got to go to the phone, I mean, you've you got no choice. I got a couple of socks that I wash out that I use, you know, use the sock to cover the whole phone when I'm talking on the phone. You know, you can't avoid nobody there. You know, it's totally, totally impossible. How many people have been using these phones recently? The ones in the yard, you know, everybody every day that uses the phones constantly. And, you know, it could be 400 guys out there at a given time. And it's, everybody is piled up on top of each other. I mean, literally side by side, or right behind your head. You know, everybody's standing bunched up there waiting to, you know, hear their name called to get on the phone. Have the phone calls increased because of the decision to cut off prison visitation? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. But uh, they do have, you know, some bleach and water solution that they squirt on the rag and they wipe the phones off. Every 23 guys get off, they wipe it down for the next one, get on. So they is doing that. Now, now you said you, you've washed your hands compulsively, you're worried. Yeah. Um, and yet you go out to the yard phone to use that phone. Why do those calls matter to you so much at this That's point, Foster? Because it can let my wife and my kids know that I'm all right, and I can't even express, you know, how they feel. Like, if they don't hear from me, especially my wife and my daughter, they'd be in a panic, honestly. You know, they need me to call. You know, I don't need to hear from them just as much. Just crazy, man. I am really feeling it, man. You know, the way, you know, it's going in here, like, it's just a, it seems like it's just a matter of time before it's spread all through this place, you know. Well, look, Foster, we really appreciate your taking time to do this, and please stay safe, okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm trying, man. That's number one. Try to stay safe and stay healthy in this place, man, you know. Thanks, Foster. Bye. Is this like a normal journal for you, or is this one you no, just like? No, this is a normal. You know, my dad had told me a long time ago, you know, some of the stories that I have taking care of patients, just jot them down. It's kind of like those old chicken soup for the soul. Yeah. You just jot down little things that took your heart or that was really special to you or really sad or hard for you. And so I started doing that years ago is where I just would drop down. I'm Mike Baker, a reporter based in Seattle. And a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to Tammy Wyatrowski, a nurse at the hospital that faced really the initial brunt of coronavirus cases and deaths in the United States. So at the end of a night that's hard, like an end of a 12-hour shift, I can get my pad, get my journal, and then just sit there and kind of process stuff. Yeah. When the virus first hit... Then this hit, and it was like, oh, I I have this deep sinking. I just want to get this stuff out. Tammy began a new journal to chronicle what was happening. So I asked her to read from it. Okay. Um, So this was started Friday, February 28th. This was my first day of a four-day stretch as charge in our ICU. That evening... We received the first two COVID 
19 positive results in two of our patients, one who had just succumbed to the virus. As the evening nurses were making their way in for their shift, our infectious disease director, Dr. Rito, came to let the staff know that the virus was here and that we had more patients that we needed to test. I get emotional when I think about that night. We all glanced across the room with a very blank look of shock on our faces. It was very surreal. I immediately thought about my four grandsons that were supposed to have their monthly slumber party with Granny in two weeks. Knowing that I would have to make that call, letting them know that I wouldn't be able to have this month's slumber party, or maybe even the next, that my newest little granddaughter of just a year and a half would look and act so much bigger in those next few weeks while I was unable to see her. Looking around the room at my other coworkers, I could tell they were probably thinking of their loved ones as well. Then we all nodded our head as if saying yes. Without a word said, it was just understood. Let's do this. The next several days and weeks at work became planned maneuvers like a well-oiled machine. The nurses and doctors working so close together to isolate and treat these patients. Yet the art of nursing had changed. As a nurse, I've always felt that if I couldn't help save a life and that patient dies, that I could help the family through the worst day of their life. And I still would go home feeling rewarded. I might cry all the way home or for weeks or months to come. But if I comfort the family and guide them through the process of grief, then I still feel like I've done something good, that I have cared and that I've helped. Now with how we have to isolate these patients, we are not able to have the families be with their loved ones as they pass. They don't get to spend the last few days of their life with them. They don't get to hold their hand as they take their last breath. As a nurse, I can't convey my sympathy and put my arms around them. At this point, I got mad. What can I give them? What last memory did we just change by having to protect them, both the family and the community? These changes are needed under these circumstances, but they are changing the way a nurse provides the care and compassion during this time. Now we find ways to show our care and our hearts through the phone by telling them that we remind the patient that their family sends their love, that they called, that they checked in, and that they love them. And then later on March 20th, I wrote, my life changed. I realized probably for the first time in my career to help others has distanced me from the ones I love. Life is on pause. At times I'm jealous for some of the doctors and nurses that get to go home to their families and small children. As I walk by the kids' playroom, one of the bedrooms in my house with the bunk beds and toys and video games, it's quiet. I don't hear the laughs and screams as the three youngest chase each other with Nerf guns. Several times on my day off, I've walked by and looked into the room 
just to see their bunk beds empty, the pillows that say relaxed and love and nobody's little head on them. It makes me sad for a moment, but then I have to think, when this is over, we're going to have the biggest slumber party ever, and they always know Granny loves them. For that, I'm grateful. We'll be right back. Intuit is creating jobs for communities in need. For Sandra of Morristown, Tennessee, this has renewed her hope for the future. I have come from being at my lowest point and not feeling adequate enough for anything to feeling like I am on top of the world. To me, having a career gave me an opportunity to grow as a person and help others grow. Intuit, the makers of TurboTax, QuickBooks, and Mint, is creating jobs for people like Sandra. Go to intuit.com possibilities to learn more. Here's what else you need to today. A former Senate aide to Joe Biden has filed a criminal complaint over an alleged incident in which she says Biden sexually assaulted her in 1993, an allegation Biden denies. The Times reports that a friend confirmed that the former aide, Tara Reid, told her the details of the allegation at the time, and that Reid told a second friend about it in 2008. But three former Biden staff members, who Reid said she reported the incident to, said they have no memory of such conversations, and a complaint that Reed said she filed to the Senate at the time has not been found. And over the weekend, the United States surpassed Italy in the total number of confirmed deaths from the coronavirus, more than 20,000. Meanwhile, in Britain, Prime Minister Boris Johnson was released from a London hospital after being treated in an intensive care unit for his infection. Finally, in Italy, Pope Francis led an Easter vigil inside an almost empty St. Peter's Basilica, calling on his followers not to succumb to fear during the pandemic. Instead, the Pope called on Catholics around the world to be, quote, the messengers of life in a time of death. Alleluia. 
that's it for The Daily. I'm Michael Barbaro. See you tomorrow. You're still running your business on QuickBooks? More like quicksand. The bigger your company grows, the faster you sync with outdated software. NetSuite by Oracle is the scalable solution to run all key back office operations, no matter how big your company grows. 93% of surveyed organizations increase visibility and control since making the switch from QuickBooks to NetSuite. Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program. Head to netsuite.com daily. That's special financing at netsuite.com daily. netsuite.com daily.